Well, here I am outside the Larimer County Justice Center, quite frankly, needing prayer, feeling just a little bit nervous. It all started when I, I tried to drive on the left-hand side of the road through Fort Collins, which instinctively, my heart tells me, is the right way to do it, God's way. But, of course, it's not right, because right is right. And so the policeman came up behind me, and in England, when they want to stop you, they pull in front of you, and they put a light on, and it says, stop. But... But here they don't do that. And he put his lights on. He's driving behind me. So I just thought he wanted to illuminate the city or something. So I just carried on. And then he, he spoke through the speakers on the top of the car. And he said, pull over onto the pavement. Well, in, the, in England, the pavement is the sidewalk. So I thought he wants me to pull onto the sidewalk. So I stop immediately, swerve across the road. And, I, and I, I'm just being obedient to what the man said. My heart said, this is right. But it was so wrong as I went up onto the sidewalk. And so now, here I am, the law says do this thing, but my heart said do something different. It's all so very complicated. So please, I beg you, please, Timberline family, pray. God bless you. I think that guy creates more excitement in life. We got him out of jail. He's fine. And, uh, no, I'm kidding. He's talking about this idea of the law and his heart. And th today we're actually talking about that. What does the law say? What does your heart say? What is the right thing to do? So, so keep that in mind uh, uh, as we jump in here in just a second. But uh, good morning. It's like a beautiful weekend. It's supposed to be almost 80 today. Like, whatever, I'm just blown away by it. So get out there and enjoy it. We're really glad that, that you are here. I uh, Just a couple of things that I want to say. Uh, Pastor Jeff, those of you who have been here the last few weeks know, has had incredible illness. Um, uh, the swine flu that went into double pneumonia, and there was a one day there for a few hours where the medication wasn't working and it... It was slipping into a kind of a critical situation, and it was pretty scary, and it really shook him up. But they changed the medication, and, and through a series of events, were able to get that pneumonia going out of his body. And now he's about 95%. He's doing great. He's getting ornery again. And so that's a good sign. We were just with him Friday night, and he just wanted me to say how much they appreciated your prayers. And uh, if you're a guest today and you know nothing about any of this, uh, sorry, but anyway, he's on our teaching team and was scheduled to speak the last three weeks. And so on Fridays, <laughs> Pastor Rob would get a call that said, I just can't do it. And I've asked Pastor Rob, he's embarrassed by it, but um, I've asked him to stay in here just a second. Because I'll tell you, when, when you're preaching from someone else's outline and you're not sure if you are and you haven't had the time, it's not part of your weekly uh, routine, it's tough to do. Because uh, weekends are tough around here. They're wonderful. But when you're speaking, it's a challenge. And I just, I, Pastor Rob, would you stand? I just want to tell him thank you for stepping up. Amen. Really appreciate him. One of my very, very best friends on this earth. And I thank God for him and, and our whole team who was a part of that. I, how many of you like good news? I really like good news, and we need it always. And uh, I want to just make a quick announcement that is some good news around here. 
Many of you know for the last year I've been sort of carrying the hat of missions pastor as we've been in search for the right person. And we have found them and uh, we have hired a missions pastor. He and his wife hopefully will be here by January 1. Their names are Mark and Kristen Orphan. And Mark and Kristen have served as missions pastors before. He's worked for uh, other 501c3s. He's a grant writer. He's got a huge heart for Compassion Ministries. It's just a wonderful philosophical fit for Timberline. This is their family. They have uh, four beautiful children, two adopted from Africa. They just are incredible kids and uh, wonderful, wonderful people. So I want you to just let their faces kind of be burned into your heart a little bit and keep them in your prayers. They have a home to sell in uh, California. How many of you know that could be tough? Uh, but God's able. So uh, all the moving and the challenges with the kids and school. and So just keep them in your prayers. But we look forward to you meeting them. They will be here for our missions banquet in November and for that whole weekend. So you will meet them in person uh, here in just a few weeks. It's going to be a great time. Well, enough of all that. Let's dive in. I have really been enjoying. I've watched Pastor Rob online and and uh, been going through the workbook studies and the videos. I've really enjoyed this King of the Hill series. Jesus gives this talk that we call the Sermon on the Mount because he was standing on a mountain talking to people that changed his, his culture, that, he changed, that changed the world at that time. The hearers that day were stunned, much more so than we are, because we've had time to process it. Obviously, our culture is much different than the culture Jesus was in. But today we're talking about what it means to be truly righteous. Truly righteous. So I have to start with the question, how many of you are righteous today? (laughs) I love it. You get some hands and you say, it's kind of like people are saying that's a trick question. If I raise my hand, he's got me. If I don't raise my hand, he's got me. You're right. Our righteousness doesn't come from our own doing. Our righteousness doesn't come from working harder. Our righteousness, which means right standing with God, comes from who? Jesus Christ. It is through Jesus and His atonement, He was our substitute for our sin, that when God sees us, if we have Jesus... We are in right standing with God. We are righteous. So just turn to your neighbor and say, you look really righteous. It's a good thing. (laughs) But how many of you know that you can be righteous through Jesus, but your own life, you still have a little work to do? Okay, so that's the tension. That's the tension that we're talking about today. How can I continue in my journey toward rightness and righteousness and holiness before God, knowing He already paid the price, what responsibility is mine? Now, I want to read the words of Jesus. Matthew five, seventeen. Follow along. Jesus says, Don't misunderstand why I have come. Now, that's really important that He says that, and I'll tell you why in a second. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail, and that's the smallest detail, that's a little Greek word, King James actually says jot or tittle. It's, it's like the dot over an I in the English language. It's like if you took the, the capital letter P 
P and the capital letter R, the only thing that makes them different is that one little mark that goes onto the R. But he's saying that little mark, because of that little dot, that little thing, God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And now verse 20 is where all the controversy starts. But I warn you. Uh That gets your blood pressure up. Okay, everyone's listening. I warn you. Unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, we talk about Pharisees and scribes a lot and their pious attitude, their self-righteous attitude, and we get it. But in this day, please understand, culturally, these people knew the work and the labor of a Pharisee and a scribe. They gave their lives to be righteous. They obeyed the laws of Moses. They did it well. The problem was that they were very self-righteous about it. But Jesus is talking to Pharisees and scribes, and when he says that, their hearts sank. And there was a murmuring across the crowd, I guarantee you. Because the common folk were there too. And the common person is going to be thinking, if I have to have more righteousness than a scribe or a Pharisee, then forget it, I don't have a chance. Jesus was twisting things over. The Pharisee and the scribe, they're sitting there going, what is he talking about? That is eventually why Jesus ended up on a cross is because they didn't believe he had an interest in the law. See, the Pharisees and the common people, there was a big gap between them. As a matter of fact, have you ever met someone that they called themselves a Christian, but you sort of had this idea and you even said later, if they're going to be in heaven, I don't really know if I want to be there. That's That's the case with some of these relationships that were happening in real life right in front of Jesus. And he's talking to this crowd. Number one in your outline, follow this along. And by the way, all the righteousness means is being in right standing with God. Okay? Right standing with God. Number one, we need to understand the goal. If we're going to understand this text, this passage. What was the goal of Jesus? Here's the goal. The goal is to be righteous. So if all of us can just agree on that, okay, our goal is to be righteous, then we work on how do we get that? How is that attained? And what does that mean? What does that look like? Jesus says, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses and the writings of the prophet. By the way, who were they? Just a little background here so you can understand this. For the Jew, the law is described as the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible, Genesis through Deuteronomy. Then the prophets would be the rest of what we call the Old Testament. Strictly, they would say from Joshua to Second Kings, excluding Ruth, and Isaiah to Malachi, excluding Daniel. Those were called the writings. But for the most part, when Jesus says the law and the prophets, or other people say the law and the prophets, they mean the entirety of the canonized scripture of what we know as the Old Testament. Okay? Just so you have that in your head right. Jesus wants us to know what the goal is and why it's important to be righteous. Because it's confusing. In Romans chapter 3, we have a verse that says this. It's referring to Psalm 14. And it says, As the scriptures say, no one is righteous. 
No, not even one. Then in James chapter 5, verse 16, it says, Confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful fruit. Okay, I'm, I'm confused. I just read in Romans that it says there's no one who is righteous, not even one. Then I read in James it says the prayer of a righteous person has fruit, produces a lot. What's going on here? What's going on is that we have to understand our righteousness, as I said earlier, doesn't come from what we do. It comes from who we are in Christ. So when we have Christ and our prayer of faith, God takes note of that. But if we're just trying to climb a ladder toward righteousness, we will fail. And that's point number two. Go with me there. Write this down. We need to understand the law. The goal is to be righteous, but how we get there is very important. Um, the scribes and the Pharisees would equate abiding by the law as being righteous. And so they needed the list. And by the way, there are 613 rules just in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. They would obey every one of those, and then they added their own list to help them do those better. How many of you have ever put together a grill that came in a box, like a gas grill? How about a swing set for your wonderful children? Yeah, it's, it's just... It's incredible. I, I remember doing both of those and other things multiple times where Bonnie and I go out and, and you know, you get all the bolts lined up over here and that, they, these are all the same. And here are the washers and here, okay, this, this piece goes over here. You gotta put 3A with 4D or if you put 2C with 3B before you do that, you gotta undo it all and do it later because it fits in. You with me? That's, that's the Pharisee list. That's in, it's, it helps us understand. They would say, if we put 3A with 4C and we do this law and we get this right, we're going to stand back at the end of the day and we're going to say, behold the swing set, or in their case, behold today I am righteous. I have done everything in accordance with the law. My righteousness is intact. And you and I know, because of Jesus and what He came to do, that's not what Jesus had in mind. But the list formula is alive and well today for Christians. And there are many who still get suckered into believing that's how they attain righteousness and holiness. You cannot build enough laws to legislate holiness. Because holiness is a condition of the heart and must come from a desire of the will to please God because of forgiveness and the love of God. So Jesus fulfills the law. And now we have our righteousness through obeying Christ and following God. Number three, in your outline, we need to understand the audience. Now, I want to take just a moment and walk you through. I've mentioned already kind of the demographic of who's there. It's everyone, the rich, the poor, the religious, the non-religious. So as we open this up, we'll see how important this is. The scribes and the Pharisees certainly were overreacting in their day. It's what would put Jesus on the cross. And so they had laws. Here's an example. One of the laws of Moses was remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. One of the Ten Commandments, right? It's very simple. It's very straightforward. So the Pharisees said, okay, because that's a law, 
we need to write some laws and rules of how to do that because that's just not enough for us to grasp. How is that supposed to be kept? So they would make their own laws, not written laws from the Bible, but just their own list of, okay, then here's what we're going to do on the Sabbath. Here's what we're not going to do on the Sabbath. This would be working. This wouldn't. So they started accumulating their list. Culturally speaking, here's what it might look like in our world. How many of you have ever raised a teenager? I love teenagers. How many teenagers do we have here today? Okay, I, I love you guys. I appreciate who you are and the, the hills that you're climbing out there in our culture. Uh, guys, pray for our teenagers and our young people. But let's just assume for a moment that uh, you make a rule in your home for your teenagers. We could call it a law. We could call it a rule. And you say, we want you to be home by 11 p.m. Okay? I'm just using that as, don't write me a letter and say you should have said 10 p.m. or you should have said midnight. I'm not, I'm not trying to get into that. Okay? Whatever. You set the time. I'm just using that as a name. So 11 p.m. Your teenager says, okay, we agree. That's the rule. And they're late. You meet him at the door. He said, we agreed it was going to be 11 o'clock. And they said, I know you won't believe what happened. It's a legitimate excuse. If I had a cell phone, I could have called you and told you that. So you think about that a while and you say, okay, you're, you're probably right. So you buy him a cell phone and you say, this cell phone is to be used. I can catch you. You can call me. No more excuses. I want to know where you are if you're not here by 11. They say, okay, so you put the new rule. You're going to call me if you're not there. They're late again. They walk in the house so frustrated. They hold up their phone and the battery's completely dead. And you say, that's, that's not good enough. We're going to make a new law. Here's the new rule. You have to show me that your cell phone is fully charged before you go out at night. That's the new rule. They say, okay, we're in agreement. Now we walk off. They're late again. They walk in. You take the keys of the car. You say, there is a new rule in this house. You will not drive the car again. Ever. They say, fine. They ride their bike. And they are late again. You make a new law that says you may never ride that bike again. Ever. So they walk. And they are late. So you make a new rule that says you will never leave this house again for the rest of your life. The end. That's the story of the Pharisee. What happens is it locks you out of life. It locks you out of anything. It just is oppressive. And it puts people in a place where they cannot survive. It's impossible to accomplish the task. They had rules like how to greet a bride on her wedding day. How much comfort a widow should get um, who is at the funeral of her husband. They had laws like a woman could not look in the mirror on the Sabbath because if she would see a gray hair, she would be tempted to pluck it out. That would be laboring on the Sabbath. So no mirrors, ladies, on the Sabbath. They had rules. These aren't Bible rules. These are rules. They had rules like if a chicken lays an egg on the Sabbath, it labored. So if you eat the egg, you have to kill the chicken. We, it's just silly to us, but what happens is, in our world, if we're not careful, we have the laws that God put, which we should obey, but then we build our own fence around those. Then we build another fence around that fence. Then we build another fence around that fence. And you guys, this happens in churches all over the country. I've watched it. I've watched churches who have people who become the holiness police. And it's like, you know, that's not appropriate attire for church. You know, you need to go change your clothes. 
Why are you wearing that makeup? I don't understand those piercings. What about those tattoos? What about... And all of a sudden, through their filter, they keep adding to the list. They keep putting their preferences as the absolutes of God. And it can destroy churches. And it can destroy people. And we need to understand that God has a better way. You know, one last thing before we move to the last point is that this word righteousness, and you'll talk about this in your small groups if you're in this study, because we talk quite about a bit about this. It means rightness on the earth. For the earth and for us to be righteous on the earth means we care about social injustice. It means when we see someone who is bruised or wounded, it means we have sympathy and care. We want our kingdom, the kingdom of God, to be on this earth in right standing with God. So we see those inequities. We are aware of those situations that are not right. How many of you have ever seen a situation and just say, that's just not right? And there's something of conviction in your heart. That's the presence of God in you. That's the kingdom of God in you. That's what Jesus wanted you to have in you. Last point. Number four. We need to understand Jesus. He would die for our sins. The last line there is this. Jesus is our righteous one. He is the only righteous one. Fully God, fully man, lived on this earth, lived without sin, died for your sin and mine, resurrected from the dead. That's what we celebrate on these wonderful moments and in these moments when we come together. I want to make sure that you know something today. I want to make certain that you know There's nothing more you can do to be more righteous. And having said that, I need you to know that when you have Jesus and you have accepted Him into your life, it's not a license for you to go off in wild living and do whatever you want with no regard to the mandates of God. Amen? Holiness is a journey that we are all on because of our God connection. I cannot continue to walk on the grace of God and continue to say that I love God. That doesn't make sense. If you love God, you are going to want to please God. Therefore, my behaviors become connected through God. But here's the good news. It is Jesus and the Spirit of God who will journey with you in this process. It's not all these other people. It's you listening to the voice of God. And then maybe friends coming alongside as you ask. Because my greatest fear in our church and other churches around our community and world is that if we're not careful, we create a culture where people learn how to hide their addictions. And all of a sudden I walk in and, oh, they change the conversation or they hide their cigarette or their drink or their whatever. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? I just want to say to you, this church has never been designed to teach you how to hide your addictions. This church exists for you to bring them here. It's why we're here. Because we know if you bring that stuff to God and you journey with Him, (laughs) you're going to be just fine. But it's got to be in honesty. It's got to be in truthfulness. It's got to be laid out in the open. It's the secrecy that takes people out. Hear me? I want you to meet Joe. Come on up here, Joe. Joe is a dear friend and a wonderful brother in the Lord. And uh, He and his wife and their two kids are amazing people. Joe has had quite an experience. And he's, he's lived out some of the things that I've been talking about today. And I thought, who better 
than to just talk to you. Come on over here. He's a little nervous about all this, but uh, I really love this guy. Joe, tell us a little bit about how you ended up in trouble and what happened. Well, I was into selling drugs, methamphetamines for about a couple of years, and, um, and I started doing them. Um, I ended up getting caught, ended up in jail, and... It was in jail that uh, some interesting things began to happen and the voice of God began to penetrate your heart. Tell us about that. Yeah, I remember um, getting a letter from my wife and uh, she said it was over. That's it. No more. She didn't want to go through the lonely nights, the pain and suffering, and just about anything you could do to hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was when I told God, I am. If you're real, use me. That's what I'm here for. Change me. Can make me somebody new. And and that happened. And as a matter of fact, you are a part of that story because as Joe began to search for God, I believe God sovereignly brought you to Timberline and, and I still remember those early days when you were coming from jail and you had this these stories and, and you were you were you were trying to, to find your way. Tell us a little bit about what you felt when you came and you met these people and how God used these people to be a voice to you. Well, first, I remember walking into this building, and I thought, man, this is a big place. <laughs> and uh, probably about five feet away, I got, you know, told, you know, hey, how you doing? Thanks for coming to Timeline. Welcome. And I walked into here, got felt the exact same way. People were saying, hey, how you doing? People I didn't even know. People that don't even work here on staff were just telling me, you know, thanks for coming to Timeline. Or, hey, you know, my name is, you know, glad to meet you. So I, I really enjoy you know being welcomed that way some of the churches i've been to in my life when i was younger i didn't feel that way um like you said you know bring your addiction here this is where this is the place to bring it if you tie your addiction and you show your addiction people will love on you more yeah you know one of the things that that joe did and this was a long story and it ended up it's a miracle story of even through the system and how god was so gracious to you and and I'm so thankful for that story. But, but uh, you impressed him so much in the love that you kept offering him that he actually went out and got a couple new tattoos that involve you. And uh, he, you know our logo, the Timberline Cross and the five peaks of Timberline? On his, on his left calf, he has that, we have a picture over here, he has that Timberline Cross going down his calf. And then his right calf, he has the, the five peaks of Timberline with uh, Isaiah 41.10. And I, when he showed me these, I, I told him, I said, Joe, you're making this tough because you know now we can never change our logo. <laughs> but I said to him, why, why would you do this? And this really touched me. I want you to hear this. I said, why would, you, why would you do this? You put this logo. He said, it's not that I'm worshiping a church because he knows it's the kingdom of God. But he said, people don't have any idea how much they have impacted. I wanted Timberline to be in me and a part of me because it has changed my life. That's the kingdom of God coming to this earth. Let's say thanks to Joe Yabar for who he is. Amen. The rest of the story is that Catherine and he are back together. They're two kids. They're a happy family, and he's a full-time employee of Timberline Church. And uh, I just am really proud of him for that. God changes people when they let him. 
Don't give up on someone today that you think is way out there. Forget it. God can never reach them. Yes, He can. Because it's not about your righteousness or theirs. It's about Jesus Christ being Lord of their life. Let me wrap this up before we pray by reading what Paul said. I think this is a great statement to understand the context of what Jesus was talking about. In his letter to Philippi, chapter 3, verse 8, Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Look at verse 9. And become one with Him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Paul was the Pharisee of all Pharisees. Literally. Highly educated, incredible man. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with Himself depends on faith. Can you believe today that you are called righteous because of Jesus in our lives? Let's pray. Lord, I'm overwhelmed by it. I am thankful for it. It's humbling and so meaningful. With heads bowed in this room, how many of you would just say, I need to ask God for forgiveness because I've walked on His grace. I have not let His voice. I've believed, yes, I'm saved, I have Jesus, but I've not really been listening to His voice in the cleanup process of my life. And I want Him to show me how I can work through those addictions, through those issues. I need His voice. I need His leadership. Maybe it's just that you haven't been open and honest and you need to lay it out there and let someone help you. If God's prompting you in that area, could I just pray over you right now? Just lift up a hand. We're not going to ask you what it is. God bless you. God bless you. The second thing before we pray is for those of you that would just say, you know, I I know for me, I'm on the other end of that. I'm trying to be the holiness police. And I'm judgmental and I see someone that looks like this or that or they have this language or that. I, I just, I'm not appreciative of their journey. I want them to be cleaned up and I want them to fit my... And, and you just need God to help you to see that they're on a journey with Him that's maybe beyond your realm of influence with them. And pray for them instead of judging them. How many of you would be open enough to just lift a hand of that and say, yeah, I'm in on that. I need God to help me with some of that. God bless you guys. And the last one would be, I want to just pray for those of you that have been wounded by the holiness police. Maybe they've taken you down and beat you up. And uh, you're afraid of God because of them. And if you've been wounded by a church or someone who is barking at you all the time, I just want, to, I want you to relax today. I want you to know Jesus is not that. Jesus is knocking on your heart and He wants to be a part of your life forever. How many of you am I talking to? Okay. God bless you. Lord, you know our hearts. You see our hands. We will do what you've asked us to do. We will be your kids at every level we can. Touch those who are asking for forgiveness. Be strong in those who need more grace and to be less judgmental. And heal the wounds that have been put on our bodies, minds, and hearts by the religious. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen.